Well, good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Janice M., and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Thursday, January 1st, 2015. Today we are reading from the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous, and we are on page 31, paragraph 1, Despite All We Can Say. Today's readers are Sylvia F., Charles H., and Elaine B. Uh, For the 12 steps, Robin L. and Nancy S. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask uh, Robin L. if she would kindly read the 12 steps of OA. Yes, good morning. This is Robin L., a recovered compulsive overeater from Virginia. The 12 steps. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. 10. Continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 11. Sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood Him, praying only for knowledge of His will for us and the power to carry that out. 12. Having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Well, thank you, Robin L. I will now ask Nancy S. to please read the 12 traditions. 
Good morning, everybody. This is Nancy S. from Wisconsin. Can you hear me okay? You hit fine. Thank you. Um, and I'm, I can't remember. I, <laughs> sorry. Nancy S. from Wisconsin, Recovering Compulsive Overeater, The Twelve Traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous, except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems with money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. 9. OA, as such, ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. 10. Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11. Our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media communication. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you for letting me do this service, and I will pass. Well, thank you, Nancy S. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic in the literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately, please, three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Just a gentle reminder to stay muted, okay, unless sharing. That helps us to clear up the background noise. Today, we resume our study of the AA Big Book on page 31, paragraph 1, starting with Despite All We Can Say. And I will now ask, please, Sylvia F. to begin our reading. 
Good morning, visionaries, and uh, a happy new day in 2015. This is Sylvia F. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater back in upstate New York, and so that's on uh, Eastern Time. Despite all we can say, many who are real alcoholics are not going to believe they are in that class. By every form of self-deception and experimentation, they will try to prove themselves exceptions to the rule, therefore non-alcoholic. If anyone who is showing inability to control his drinking can do the right about face and drink like a gentleman, our hats are off to him. Heaven knows we have tried hard enough and long enough to drink like other people. So this is Sylvia F. And um, this paragraph is really talking about uh, that step one of of understanding who we are. And I know when I came into program, I knew that there was something the matter with me, but I, I, I didn't know what. And I've heard so many stories of, from all of us coming in. And this is the history of that amnesia and this crazy thinking. And so, you know, we, we've been learning that we have a, uh, a physical allergy to certain foods. But when we put those certain foods down, we still have this crazy addict brain and at least I do, and the big book says that that's what we've had, and so we have the obsession of the mind, and so this is still trying to prove to ourselves who we are, so many of us who are real alcoholics, the real deal, are not going to believe that they are in that class, and I did really great on that every form of self-deception and experimentation, because I wanted to prove I wanted to believe that I was not an alcoholic or a food addict. For one thing, I didn't like being called a compulsive overeater. There's nothing sexy about that, that kind of addiction. So I found it, you know, embarrassing to even be um, defined that way. But what it was is that um, I couldn't think about food or think about life the same way other people did, and I didn't know that was my problem. But when I get to this uh, middle sentence, if anyone who's showing inability to control his drinking, and my sponsor had me change that to thinking, if anyone who is showing inability to control his thinking can do the right about face and think like a gentleman, our hats are off to him. Heaven knows we have tried hard enough and long enough to think like other people. So I couldn't eat like other people. You know, I, I'd be the, the person, if I went out to dinner with you, and you didn't eat your whole portion, I would spend most of my time trying to figure out how to either take a bite of your food or wondering why you didn't finish it. Um, and I, I would be obsessed with the food, and I wouldn't be present for you at the table, and I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be a reasonable uh, dinner partner because I was concentrating on food, which is uh, not normal. That's not normal. Um, so... I, and, and the next paragraph, we're going to talk about all the things that we did, and that's all the things that we that I have done. We've tried hard enough and long enough to drink like other people. So the real problem in that paragraph for me was my brain and the self-deception and the disease that says that no, it's going to be fine. We're really we can do this, you know. We, oh, it's just New Year's Eve, and I can have these foods, and then tomorrow morning when I wake up, I'm a normal person, and I'm going to be fine. The food is going to have a proper place, and I'm going to act normally, and my life will not be uh, unmanageable. 
I wanted to tell myself that all the time because it was my disease telling me that. It wasn't uh, it wasn't true. That was not my truth because I am a real alcoholic. And, uh, and, with, and with that, I pass. Thank you for letting me do service. And thank you, Sylvia. Before we get our next um, member to share, I omitted yesterday's share code. So this is the reference number for Wednesday, December 31st, 2014. It is 7152. 7152 for yesterday's meeting. Okay, we're going to open it up for sharing. Who would like to share on that paragraph, please? Hi, this is Nessa in Toronto. Can I share, please? Renata. Okay, we'll have Nessa, and then we'll have Renata. Anybody else? Rose. Leah. And Leah. Okay, and Larry, and we'll go with those five right now. Nessa, please go ahead. Thank you. Uh, my name is Nessa. I'm a, I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Toronto, Canada. Um, it, growing up, there were two people in my life who who seemed to uh, think about food and eat the same way I eat. And I say seem because, you know, things changed after a little while. They were my, my best friend when I was, I don't know, 10, 11 years old, and my cousin. And uh, they, were, they were like real hefty eaters. My, my cousin used to uh, have for breakfast every single morning a uh, family-sized bag of Cheetos and two liters of Coke. That was his breakfast every day. But then um, both of them, and I mean, they didn't know each other, whatever, but uh, separately, both of them went on a diet um, and they lost all their weight. And to this day, more than three decades later, they are still in normal, normal bodies. So they're the people that, that this paragraph speaks about. I mean, they beat a complete total about face. And I continued, I continued um, on, on my path of, of um, I don't know, obsessive compulsive overeating um, for over three decades until I, I came into program and actually even, even after I came into program until, you know, I found my, um, after God found me, my current sponsor, and she took me through, I mean, she helped me put the foot down and, and took me through the steps as outlined in the big book. Um, but I just, I was baffled. I was totally, totally baffled. You know, how can they do it and I can't? And, and I was jealous, but I, just, I had no explanation. I had no idea why these two people, like I've never eaten what my cousin ate in my life. I mean, I go breakfast. I will never forget them. Um, but I, I just couldn't explain it. You know, and to this day, last night, for example, I went out for dinner with some friends, and um, they shared, you know, two of them, they shared a soup and an entree. Like, it wasn't two soups and two entrees. They shared a soup and an entree. I had never shared an entree with anybody. And, uh, and I was baffled. And it just tells me that I am a compulsive overeater. I was a compulsive overeater. I will be a compulsive overeater. And I have to um, I have to live in the solution. I have to live in the program of recovery outline in the um, big book of AA because otherwise I will go back to what I was, um, you know, when I was growing up. And you know, obviously that's not a a very very pleasant place to be. I'm not one of those people who can do an about face like my friend and my my cousin did. 
So I need to stay um, living in the solution, properly grounded in the in the knowledge that I am powerless over food. And you know, we've been talking a lot about um, this in the past uh, in the past few days. But you know, I I need to think about food like I think about fire. I know I'm totally powerless over fire, and that's why I never never put my hand in an open flame because I know there's nothing I can do, absolutely nothing I can do to prevent myself from being burned. The only thing I can do to prevent from being burned is not put my hand in in the first place. And that's exactly how I have to think about food. I'm so powerless over food that the only thing I can do to prevent um, from not being burned is to not go into it in the first place. And that's what the the, the 12 steps um, help me do because um, they keep me focused on the fact that my sense of ease and comfort has to come from God and not from food. And uh, with that, I pass, and uh, thank you very much. And thank you, Nessa. Renata, you're next. Hi, Janice. Did you call me? This is Renata. Yes, I did, Renata. Okay, good morning. Good morning, everyone. This is Renata, Recovered Compulsive Radio from New York. Despite all we can say, many who are real alcoholics are not going to believe they are in that class. You know, uh, that tells me that I I can't convince anyone. There are many people that, like me, will try to overcome this disease in their own way. I've I've tried everything that is out there, plus a way. You know, I spent two years in the rooms not wanting to work the 12 steps because I didn't think I needed the 12 steps. I wasn't open for a spiritual solution which, you know, today I know is the only solution if I'm a real compulsive reader. Um, I have a spiritual malady that can only be overcome by a spiritual solution. But um, I wasn't willing to do the work. I wasn't willing to, to feel uncomfortable. I, you know, I wanted to, I wasn't willing to, to take an honest look at myself. I didn't have enough humility to go to you know, to this process, and, uh, you know, my my ego and my fears, they they were way more powerful than my desperation to, to get out of the food, and so, you know, in my self-centeredness, I always think that I'm going to be the exception to the rule, like it says here, you know, that the world will always work the way I want it to work, that I, you know, like... In, in this program, for example, I thought I could get away without doing, without working the 12 steps. You know, I'm going to be the exception. I'll come in here, I'll get abstinent, and, uh, you know, forget about that. And so, you know, and I've learned that it doesn't work. At least for me, it didn't. So I had to fully conceive in my heart that whatever I was doing was not working. And I had and I had to, to surrender. I had to come to the conclusion that I had exhausted all other alternatives and that the food had defeated me over and over and that just losing the weight did not solve my problems. I had to be honest enough and and realize that I was I was miserable. I was still miserable. I wasn't overweight anymore, but my life was still very much unmanageable. <clears throat> and um you know, working, like being in this program and not working the steps is just dieting with group support. And that's what I was doing. 
and that did not bring me any relief or peace of mind or freedom. But the spiritual awakening did. And, uh, you know, working the 12 steps freed me from the obsession to eat and to control everyone and everybody. All I had to do was, um, you know, admit that my way didn't work, follow directions, you know, do, do do the work, follow the process. And then God did for me what I could not do for myself. And he continues to do every day as long as I keep on doing the work and following the principles. Thank God for freedom and thank God for a new life in my past. And thank you, Renata. Rose, you're next. Star one to one mute. Rose. Okay, Leah, please. Thank you, Janice. Good morning, everybody. My name is Leah, recovered compulsive overeater. Despite all we can say, many who are real alcoholics are not going to believe they are in that class. And that was me. You know, despite the evidence, despite uh, the, you know, history of my career of compulsive overeating, you know, it was um, a refusal to believe that I was one of these. You know, I did not want to be a compulsive overeater. Although I could look back, you know, at my history, I had had thousands of binges. I had eaten off the floor, out of the garbage can. I'd stopped, you know, thousands of times, but I couldn't stay stopped. I stole food. I lied about food. I ate until I was in a stupor. You know, I would binge my brains out until my eyeballs hurt. Um, I knew the feelings of, you know, headache and nausea and stomach ache and, you know, just the medical consequences. I knew what it was like to live in an obese body. I had the medical consequences of being fat. I had the shame and humiliation of being fat. I had all the evidence of who and what I was, but I did not want to buy this package. I did not want to be one, and I continued to test my personal control, and this disease kept turning the heat up, and I kept getting beaten to a pulp. Because the trouble with compulsive overeating, and it kills people like me, because although the answer is available in this book, I was reluctant to do anything about it. And although the suggestions that were given to me could arrest this disease and enable me to start a whole new life, I had no enthusiasm to pursue that. I had enthusiasm for the next bite. I had enthusiasm to dig my fists and my uh, hands, you know, down into bags and boxes, but I had no enthusiasm to crack this book and push my way through these steps to be relieved of the bondage of self. Because compulsive overeating, like me, you know, I want something to happen as if it's magic, as if magical dust can get sprinkled on me and I would be released from this monster. It wasn't because the program didn't work. It was because of the disease is cunning, baffling, and powerful. You know, what other disease is like this? You know, if someone's uh, diagnosed with AIDS or cancer or Ebola, you know, they're, they're at their doctor's doorstep waiting for treatment. But for some reason, for compulsive overeaters like me, despite the evidence, despite the fact that this disease was progressive and it was not stopping, I did not want to do this thing until I was convinced And that's what my book tells me. This program of action is for people who are convinced. And you know what? It says if you're not convinced, go back into the bar room and have another drink. 
the big book invites us to drink, take more than one drink, because when you're through drinking, when you're through compulsive overeating, and when you're convinced, you know what, there's a way out. There's a way to, to live without having to compulsively overeat. Thank God I reached that point. And with that, I pass. Thanks. And thank you, Leah. Larry, you're up. Star one to unmute. Larry. Hi, Janice. This is Larry. <clears throat> I was unmuting. Uh, recovered compulsive reader from Chicago. Thanks for your service. Um, so, you know, we read here, uh, you know, by every form of self-deception and experimentation, they will try to prove themselves exceptions to the rule, therefore non-alcoholic. And, you know, for me, this was the whole notion of, um, you know, of rationalization. You know, um, I, I had... You know, we, we have our ego is so strong, so powerful, you know, that we will we will um, look for any form of different rationalization to uh, defend ourselves. And that was the case for me, too. You know, I did think that I'd be sprinkled with pixie dust if I just hung around a meeting like this every morning, you know, and around all these recovered people. You know, maybe some of this will rub off on me, you know, but that was my deception. We, this is a program of, of action. It's not for people who need it. Um, it. That would make a lot of sense, wouldn't it? It's not for people who want it. I certainly wanted it very bad. It's, it's for people who do it. And, and rationalization is, is, is kind of the use of, you know, feeble, but, you know, for me, plausible arguments that, you know, to justify something that's really, really difficult to accept or to make it seem not so bad after all. You know, and so that's what I did. You know, um, I I rationalized. I said, you know, maybe I'm just, so many times, maybe I'm just not so bad. You know, maybe I'm just not like them. I didn't, you know, when I walked in and saw all these, you know, some people that were very, very fat. Well, I didn't get here, you know, I was 100 pounds heavier, but I didn't look so bad in my mind. I would rationalize that away. Ah, I know how to eat healthier. You know, maybe this isn't so bad. These are crazy people. You know, I'll rationalize anything away. You know, it's like a a person being rejected by a love interest, you know, convincing themselves that they were rejected because, you know, she didn't share, you know, my ideal of happiness, you know, or, or the rejection is a blessing in disguise. You know, I'll rationalize anything away, you know, just so I can go on and continue to get what I want when I want it, and I want it now. You know, and, but, but finally, finally, when I was beaten down, my ego was beaten down, I had to accept that, you know what, Larry, as smart as you think you are, what you're doing is not working. I needed to try something else. And then when I did, God flooded in. God came flooding in. And now God, I am dominated by a God-centered consciousness rather than a, a self-centered consciousness. Thank God for Alcoholics Anonymous. And with that, I'll pass. And thank you, Larry. Is there anyone else that would like to share on this paragraph? Sally. Mary, Philadelphia. And Vasa. Okay, we hear. I hear Sally, and I hear somebody from Philadelphia. I didn't get your name. Mary. Mary. And then then I hear Vasa. Yes, please go three. We'll have, and then we'll go on. Go ahead, Sally. Thank you, Janice. This is Sally in South Jersey, a recovered compulsive overeater, and I, I also want to chime in on these very important words that were being presented here this morning. By every form of self-deception and experimentation, they will try to prove themselves exceptions to the rules, therefore 
non-alcoholic. And here again, we see the word control. It's anyone who is showing inability to control. And over and over, we're being presented this. Heaven knows we have tried hard enough and long enough to drink like other people. And I just wanted to share that in in the uh, chapter, To the Wives, on page 113, it tells us here in that first paragraph, the very last sentence, very important words, wait until repeated stumbling convinces him he must act. For the more you hurry him, the longer his recovery may be delayed. And these are really important words that speak to what we're reading here on page 31. We have to wait. We have to wait for people to be convinced. Nobody can convince anybody else. Nobody could convince me that this was the only way that I was going to finally get well. I tried all the other things like everybody else has tried all the other things. Because this is not an easy program. You know, in the, in the 12 and 12, step one, the very end of the chapter in the 12 and 12, it says, who wishes to be rigorously honest and tolerant? Who wants to confess his faults to another and make restitution for harm done? Who cares anything about a higher power, let alone meditation and prayer? Who wants to sacrifice time and energy in trying to carry AA's message to the next sufferer. No, the average alcoholic, self-centered in the extreme, doesn't care for this prospect unless he has to do these things in order to stay alive, to stay alive himself. And so when I read these words in this paragraph, it reminds me, I cannot convince anyone else of who they are, what they have, and what they're dealing with. And the beauty of To the Wise and many of these other later chapters in this, in this 164 pages is that it reminds us to wait until repeated stumbling convinces him. Because nothing else is going to convince that person. It's the food that's going to convince people whether they have this real or whether they're just hard. You know, whether they're just, you know, they come to the table on the holidays and they binge, but they stop when they get stuck or whether they're the real McCoy, the real food addict, and it's only the food that's going to convince. So wait until repeated stumbling convinces him he must act. For the more you hurry him along, his recovery may be delayed. Thanks for letting me share that. With that, I pass. Thank you, Sally. Mary. Thank you so much. I'm Mary from Philadelphia, compulsive overeater. Um, One of the greatest forms, I want to focus on this sentence, um, uh, uh, by every form of self-deception. One of the most deadly forms for me was I came into the program when I was 21 years old. I didn't know the truth about my illness until I came into these rooms. And I knew when I came into the fellowship, when they were talking about uh, this the, the form of eating that is so grotesque, I would say, that's me, that's me, that's me. I continued in the program. This is where real deadly self-deception um, comes in. In the program to manipulate and permission give myself, one of my big ones that cost me uh, not getting absent until I was 51 years old was, oh, I can't get full, so here's what I'll do. I'm going to control the binges. On the weekends, and I'll be absent during the week. And then, of course, 
um, the binges ended up into multiples of days and multiple treatments and, and the inability to be unteachable. And the other one was the spiritual and emotional self-deception. I'm hopeless. It wasn't I felt hopeless. I said to myself, I was hopeless. I'll never get better, so I'm going to continue doing this. And that was the self-deception that put me into all these years of relapse. And I convinced myself that I was hopeless. Not felt, but was. And and I can't say enough for the uh, the power of the mental obsession that really carries through when there's this chronic relapse. That's the thing that really dominates when a person becomes abstinent, knows the truth, and continues to uh, permission give and uh, deceive oneself. So, um, and I'm grateful I got abstinent when I did. <laughs> like I said, somebody said yesterday, it takes what it takes, and this is what it took. A real low bottom, and, and thanks for letting me share on that. And thank you, Mary. Vasa, please go ahead. Yes, good morning, everybody, and Happy New Year. And I am Vasa, Recover Compulsive Overeater, calling from Florida. And I'm just so grateful to be here again today with all of you and rationalizing for years. And I didn't even know I was rationalizing. To me, that was like a way of life, you know, it was normal, you know. Uh, but I'm grateful to God for bringing me to the program and the 12 steps and and the solution right here in the big book. I was saved from this this deadly disease. I died and I came back to a life. Um, I didn't want to be compulsive overeater when I came to Overeaters Anonymous. I didn't want to put those certain things down. I said, my God, how am I going to live? the rest of my life without those foods. And then, you know, I learned about the allergy and I learned about the mental obsession. And I said, you know what? I don't want to die. I don't want to die. My mom was a food addict, and I saw the pain and the suffering that she went through, the, you know, the physical, you know, falling apart, diabetes, high blood pressure, heart surgeries, Oh my God! It was, I, you know, and the, you know, the family was very hard for us to see her suffer with the food, and you know what? I was beginning to suffer too, you know. And I remember reading in Dear Abby, you know, something about Overeaters Anonymous years ago before I even found program. She said how wonderful the program was, and it, you know, a lot of people got help with, you know, with food addiction or alcohol, drugs, and I remember. Reading and I remember thinking of those at that time. Well, I wasn't that bad. I wasn't like fifty or sixty pounds overweight. I was probably maybe ten or fifteen pounds, or fifteen pounds, and it became progressively worse. And I was really getting in a panic. I was afraid. I said, "Oh my God, what?" And I'm just going to die, you know. And uh, again, you know, I'm just so grateful that God brought me here. And um, I don't have to struggle anymore. You know, New Year's resolution, that was one year after another. I mean, that was another resolution. Oh, New Year's resolution, that's what I'm going to do, you know. And, you know, yeah, I'll do it for one day or two days, and I would go right back into the food. So it's the addiction, all the things that I did, did to kind of, you know, um, get me through, you know, uh, I remember going to the, you know, I did some laxatives, I did, I went to the Weight Watchers, I did some bulimia, I tried to, um, you know, by running and by pl- 
playing tennis singles, and I'd go out there on the tennis court for an hour and a half in the heat and sweating, and I'd say, oh, now I can go home and need them, you know, because I burned so many calories playing tennis, you know, going to the Weight Watchers. I would do so well for a while, and I, I would reward myself with the food. You know, I played that game for years and years. There was no more, no more to play, you know. There's nothing more to do. And I just gave into the food addiction. I said, I'm just going to die. There's nothing more to do. Yeah, there were a couple more things. I could have the bypass done. I know my time is up. I could go to a hypnotist and have that done. There were a couple more things, but I was afraid to take the risk to do those things. But anyways, thank you, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God, you know, who, you know, my higher power for bringing me to Overeaters Anonymous and the 12 Steps and the Big Book to the solution. Thank you for letting me share that path. Okay. Uh, we're going to, this is going to bring us to our next reader for the next paragraph would be Charles H. Will you read? Here are some of the methods. Star one to one mute, Thank Charles. you, Kathy. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Kathy. It's Charles H. Um, happy New Day, visionaries. My name is Charles H. I recovered visionary just for today. Here are some of the methods we have tried. Drinking beer only limiting the number of drinks, never drinking alone, never drinking in the morning, drinking only at home, never having it in the house, never drinking during business hours, drinking only at parties, switching from scotch to brandy, drinking only natural wines, agreeing to resign if ever drunk on the job, taking a trip, not taking a trip, swearing off forever with and without a solemn oath, Talk, taking more taking more ex- physical exercise, reading inspirational books, going to health farms and sanitariums, accepting voluntary commitment to asylums. We can increase the list ad infinitum. Good morning, visionaries. Happy New Day. Um, my name is Charles. I eat too much of recovered visionary just for today. And I need to live in 10, 11, 12, and 1 every single day because um, – I utilize every form of self-deception and experimentation to try to prove to myself, to myself, because I didn't want to let go of the flour and the sugar. So I wanted to prove that I was the exception to the rule. However, I tried, and and I so identify in with these 18 to 19 methods that I tried and many more. Um, For example, Eating, eating sugar only, limiting the number of donuts, never eating alone, never eating in the morning, eating only at home, never having binge food in the house, never eating during business hours, so yo-yoing, eating only at parties, switching from candy to cake, eating only natural sugars, agreeing to resign if, if, if putting on a certain amount of pounds, taking a trip with the sugar, not taking a trip with the sugar, swearing off forever that if I go back to the binge food with a solemn oath, without a solemn oath, eating, taking more physical exercises, I still read inspirational books and, you know, went went to all types of places to try to, to get better. Um, and in the next paragraph, man, if I wasn't, if I'm not convinced, I could quickly go down to any of them places and diagnose myself right quick. Step on over to the next McDonald's or the next Burger King. You know, I couldn't never have one when I went to those places. 
And it's not that I avoid those places. I just don't like what they stand for. And, you know, um, and, and that's that. But, you know, self-deception, man, self-deception. I'm not for Charles H. You ain't fooling yourself today. Charles H., you tried millions of things. And you know what? This, to me, this paragraph right here is my eating history. And if I don't get this down right, I'm not convinced. If I leave something, something on the wall and I don't tell it to my sponsor, I'm not convinced. I'm not with all that, you know, I turned my phone off last night because I'm not with all that, you know, you know, you know there's a lot of things going around saying this is page one of 365. You know, what? Well, what about page 365 or page 365? This is a I new day. I just want page. to know where we're reading. Excuse me? I just want to know where in the book we're reading now. Yeah, page 31 um, in the Second big book. Paragraph. Second, Second paragraph. paragraph. Yep. Okay. You're welcome. Thank you. Happy New Day, sis. So, yeah, so like I said, um, you know, I don't get caught up in, you know, all that group text and happy this and that. You know what? Because, like I said before, every day that my higher power wakes me up is, is Christmas, is a gift. And every day I give thanks, that's Thanksgiving. And every day is a new day and a new year. And I'm going to close with this. If I pick up binge food, it will be Halloween. So happy new day to all visionaries. I have this I have this circle in my book, all these reasons, 18 to 19 reasons of some of the methods that I have tried. I am convinced today that I am the real deal, the real compulsive reader. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kathy, for your services. Charles H. from New York, representing Thursday. Okay, thank you. Um, all right, we're going to open it up for sharing, and, and just a gentle reminder to keep it at three minutes because I'm sure there's a lot of people that would like to share on this paragraph. So who would like to start us off? Julie yes. R. Rabia. Julie R. I heard somebody before Rabia. Kim. Kim. Kim G. Okay, and Rabia. Anybody else? All right, let's go with those three. Julie R., please, first. Hi, thank you, Janice. Um, my name is Julie R., Recovered Compulsive Overeater in California. And, you know, there's not enough time in today's meeting, tomorrow's meeting, or the next meeting for me to list all of the things that I had tried to convince myself that um, a diet would work. Uh, you know, from shots, hypnosis, pills, fasting, I mean, the whole gamut. And, you know, they all worked. Diets work. Um, that's a, it's a proven fact but not for the real compulsive overeater because I don't think correctly like other people. I have a, an abnormal mind. And when I pick up anything, I'm off and running. This relapse that I had um, last, well, I guess really it's this year. It ended, thank God. Um, but I even told myself, maybe I'm not a compulsive overeater, even though I've been in OA since 81. You know, maybe I can just find that 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 right diet for me. That's how strong this disease is. And no matter what I try, no matter what I do, if it's not through my creator, if it's not having my black and white abstinence, if it's not living in 10, 11, and 12, I'm going to fall short and I'm going to be living in hell. 
And it's um, amazing that I could have spent most of my life trying all of these things and always failing and still thinking that there was something out there that was going to work, that was, you know, I was going to read in a magazine. The only thing that worked for me is this big book that's uh, sitting right in front of me because it is a basic text that tells me exactly what to do. It tells me what to do when I wake up. It tells me what to do during the day. It tells me what to do before I lay my head on the bed. It tells me what to do when I make mistakes. So, you know, for today, I don't have to try anything new. My New Year's resolution last night was to be a little kinder to people. It had anything to do with food. Um, So anyway, I'm grateful to be here, and Happy New Year. And thank you again, Janice. I'll pass. And thank you, Julie. Uh, Kim G., please, you're up. Good morning, Janice. Good morning, all. My name is Kim G., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from South Jersey. And isn't it ironic, as we talk about these methods, it's New Year's Day. This is when everyone makes their New Year's resolution. And the fact of the matter is, these methods work for people who are not compulsive overeaters. This is part of the smashing the delusion that we are a part of this distinct entity. Because there's nothing wrong with the latest diet or the latest gym or anything like that if you're not a compulsive overeater. You know, in fact, there's a woman at my office who just had bariatric surgery, the sleeve surgery, and I'm very blessed that she let me have a very intense conversation with her. And let me tell you, she's not a compulsive overeater, and this is working beautifully for her. Her medical stuff has been going away. She, she doesn't have the obsessions of the, of the, of the food. It, you know, it works for somebody who doesn't have our problems. You know, I also had coffee with my best friend. I've known her since we were 10, and she's had the most tumultuous last seven, eight years. Absolute roller coaster. Big tops, big bottoms. And when I was talking to her, and I was just amazed. She's a normal person, and how she handles life is a normal person. And one of the offhand comments, she said, well, if it gets too bad, I do have a bottle of wine and some chocolate in the, in the pantry. Because she's a normal person. She can indulge in that with impunity. I have to know who and what I am. There's nothing wrong with these methods. It's the fact that because I have the allergy of the body and the obsession of the mind that these methods will not work for me because I think the doctor's opinion. I cannot differentiate the truth from the false. My alcoholic life is the only normal one. So I, sometimes for me to know who I am, I have to look at who I'm not. So I like to think of, this is a time of year people spend too much money. I don't have a problem with spending money. I don't have a problem with shopping. So if I look at that where I don't have a problem, do I spend too much money at Christmas? Yeah, I normally do, and I did this year. But what happens is in January, I look at my bills, I look at my finances, I adjust my spending so that usually by February, I'm back to where I was. You know, I spend too much money at Costco, and a lot of people do that. But what I do is I only let myself go to Costco once every two months. And if I look at my finances and I'm really tight, I make a list. And I only buy what's on that list when I go to Costco. And that's a really good method for someone like me who doesn't have a problem with shopping. But when it comes to the food, I can't use that same analogy. Because me starting to eat during the holiday lasts for the rest of the year. Me trying to make a list of just committing my food without a spiritual solution means that I'm going to gain weight. So I think it's important we understand these methods. There's nothing wrong with them. New Year's resolutions for many people in 2015 will be very successful at it. But we have to know who and what we are 
to understand that if we have this allergy of the body and this obsession of the mind, that means, number one, we have to put the food down, and number two, we have to find a spiritual solution or we are doomed to go back into that doctor's opinion cycle over and over and over. And with that, I pass. And thank you, Kim G. Okay, Rapia. Press star one to unmute. Good morning, my dear visionaries. This is Rapia. And for today, I am a recovered compulsive overeater and so grateful to be here this morning with all of you on this line. And I am a real compulsive overeater. And and without the we of this program, without connecting with my fellows and without connecting with the God of my understanding that um, I have an experience with through working these steps, I will be eating. And I only have a daily reprieve, so um, I'm so grateful to be here listening and being with you all. Uh, and and so, you know, I hear, and it's so true for me, I must live in steps 10, 11, and 12 to maintain step one, to continue to live without my alcoholic foods one day at a time. Um, and if I take one day off from that, my disease is going to try to have me proving to myself once again that I'm an exception to the rule. And so for today, um, you know, I love this working with others. Practical experience shows that nothing will so much ensure my immunity from compulsive eating as intensive work with alcoholics. And and I'm so grateful for my fellow brothers and sisters on this line who are counting days um, are on day two today, day three today, day six today. Um, and yesterday was day one for them. And, and there's, there's people on the line now. And how I know I'm a real compulsive overeater is I can't muster up enough willpower to be on a diet for even five hours. The minute I start feeling like I'm restricted and on a diet, I want to binge. Uh, you know, I can't even wrap my brain anymore around the concept of being on a diet. So, so, so I, I, I'm, I'm so grateful um, for newcomers, and you know, and I just want to say that you know, for anybody who thought that they were going to be struck abstinent at the stroke of midnight last night, and 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 they're praying and hoping that today will be day one for them. Um, let us help you. That's what the second hour of this meeting is about for newcomers. And so put yourself out there and, and let us help you with your first absolute meal with breakfast. That's how we do it. We we start from the very beginning. We start with the next food that we're going to put in our mouths. We start with helping each other put down the sugar. We get the power from each other while we're going into the steps to get the power from the God of our understanding that's deep down inside each one of us, a spiritual power that will stop us from eating. And in the meantime, we do this with each other. So um, the, I'm, I'm so grateful to be alive and living these steps today in my life. Thank you for that I pass. Well, thank you, Rabia. We have one more. We have Penny C. Okay, uh, Penny C., you can wrap it up for us. Okay, thank you. Uh, Penny C., Recovered Compulsive Overeater from the Boston area. Oh, gosh, when I hear 
or read these these all these things that we tried and listening to the the um member who talked about what what he tried for for his compulsive overeating it's exhausting it just it's it's a never ending list and like a lot of us i could add more and more methods that i tried and and promises that I made. And so reading this paragraph today as a recovered person, I am just so grateful, so grateful that that I finally, God led me to OA almost 28 years ago. And I I was able to realize yesterday at an at a face to face meeting someone talked about the word disease and how it helped her and for the first time I realized and said aloud knowing that I had a disease changed my life right there and then even before I started working the steps and working the steps just gave me this this new conception of a higher power that I live that I live with today and I don't have to go as someone just said, you know, making the promise again because it's New Year's Day that this will be the year, this will be the day that I really and truly recover um, or I, I lose weight. I didn't know the word recover then. So thank you, everybody, for sharing this morning. And um, please share with me the gratitude that that, that I have for everybody who's on this line, whether whether you're recovered or not, it's it's today's the first day of the rest of your life and 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 as someone else also said, let us help you. Let us help you if you're not recovered to to start this could be this really could be the day that you will count as your first day of of abstinence and on the road to recovery. Thank you. And thank you, Penny C., and thank you, everyone, who has shared. Uh, We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Will Elaine B. please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Thank you. Thank you, Janice M., for your service. This is Elaine B., recovered in Massachusetts. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. So see to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.